Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Marketing and Coffee. Today, we have Michael on the show with us. Michael, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. It's a pleasure to meet you. You know, we scheduled this, what, about a week ago? And yeah. um, I've been looking through your profile, and I'm really excited to talk business with you. So uh, just to start it out here, tell the audience a little bit about uh, what you do for work and kind of how your journey started in business. Sure. Well, I'm I'm probably a bit unusual uh, compared to the other guests you've had because uh, <clears throat> my day job is that I'm a college professor. I'm a marketing professor, uh, and I'm currently at uh, St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Uh, <clears throat> I've been a marketing professor and a consumer psychologist for, I hate to say it, about 40 years. And during that time, um, I've, I've taught at a number of universities, both here and abroad. Um, and I've also had the opportunity to work with a lot of companies to make them more customer centric. Uh, so I'm also, uh, in addition to being a college professor, uh, I'm a consultant, I'm, a, I'm an author, I've written a number of books, uh, and also a keynote speaker. So you've done a few things. <laughs> I hope so after all this time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You know, one of the things that I struggled with personally when starting out was understanding consumer behavior and understanding which niche I really needed to dive into. Um, for any new entrepreneurs, what's some just simple advice that you could give them to understand their audience and who they should be uh, looking to sell to or provide a service to? Well, I guess the best advice I could give is to not assume that you know who your customers are until you find out for sure. In other words, don't just make assumptions. Oh, this is the type of person who would probably buy what I'm selling. Uh, you really need to, as I like to say, fish where the fish are, you know, get out there. And uh, if you already have some customers, um, they are your best source of information. You need to pump them for everything that uh, that they can give you about what you're doing well, what you're doing not so well. And just, uh, you know, don't just sit in, in your office, get out there, walk around. Uh, you know, we talk about management by walking around. I think marketing by walking around is just as important. I think that's a really good point. You know, when you first start out, there's a lot of times you'll get one or two clients who are very loyal to your business. And asking them those questions is very important. Uh, do you know if there's any like icebreakers or any way to, you know, start that conversation with them? Or do you just simply go and say, hey, you know, I've got I've got a few questions about the work we're doing. Um, don't yeah, be biased. Well, Tell me what we're doing wrong so we can continue to improve our service. Well, I think, you know, the best way to start a conversation like that is to keep in mind that you're not asking people to do something that's onerous or, or, or negative. In fact, it's a compliment to ask someone for their opinion, in my opinion anyway. <clears throat> People love to be asked for their opinion, especially about something that they're sort of involved in, you know, in a certain category. So I think the best thing you can do is just to be very transparent and say, look, you know, you've, I really appreciate your, your loyalty. There's obviously something there that you like. Uh, I'm sure we could do even better. So I, I would really value your your feedback. It's it, I'm not just asking this to check something off a list. I'm genuinely interested in in your suggestions. Uh, I think that that tends to most pe make most people pretty cooperative because they recognize that you are valuing their input. And too many companies tend not to do that. They're always looking for the next new customer. 
and not spending nearly enough time understanding the customers that they have. How important is it for you to find that niche as a business? Uh, a niche in terms of what you're selling, you mean? or you're, Who, you're, who yeah. you're selling to. Because yeah. I feel like in today's market, it's very easy to reach anybody and people ha and vice versa. The customer has as many options as you have uh, to find a customer. So how do you really find that target audience that you can provide value to? Yeah, you know, you if we hear a lot these days about defining your lane and staying in your lane. <clears throat> and I, I, to a large extent, I, I think that's really good advice. Because as you say, you know, it's so... It's so hard to be all things to all people. Uh, very, very few companies, maybe some big box retailers, you know, like Walmart or something, can almost achieve that goal. But for for the rest of us, you really need to be very focused. Um, you need to be very specific about the benefits that you're going to provide. Uh, and I think you know, first go narrow and then go wide. In other words, once you've really got a good idea um, of who your core customer is and why they are your core customer, then you can start to replicate that. You know, you can do, uh, you can create a persona of that that's uh, coming out of input from the from those people. Who is who is the profile of your ideal customer? And and once you know that, uh, doesn't mean it's set in stone. By the way, it could change easily. But once you know that, uh, you can start to to look for other people who fit that same profile, you know, whether on Facebook advertising or, you know, whatever medium you're using, you can start to drill down on the specific characteristics of the people who are really excited by what you make. I don't think small businesses realize how good we have it when it comes to advertising. Yes. There are so many tools, like you said, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, um, any social media platform that's so it's targeted based on location. Google's built around location services for like Google My Business. So like taking advantage of those is so important. Yeah, you know, I, I think people today are kind of spoiled. You know, <laughs> they don't remember the good old days when uh, you just threw a lot of money at things and you never really knew whatever happened to that money. You know, really? There's a famous quote by a, uh, that's attributed to a retailing executive, John Wanamaker, usually. And uh, basically, it, you probably heard it. It says, I, I know that half of the money I spent on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Uh, today, really? we have a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, in many cases, certainly not all, but in many cases, you are able to, to really make a connection between what you're spending and the return that you're getting. So it's a remarkable time to be in marketing, I think. Well, yeah, I, I've grown up in the world where we have analytics tracking everything. We actually had a great episode uh, a few weeks ago with somebody who was talking about the right analytics to track and how easy it is for a small business to set up analytics tracking and make your decisions based on that. Uh, I I just can't imagine living in a world where you're getting a sheet of paper back and you're rolling the dice whether it's a real, a real number yeah. or not. That's crazy to me. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and the, the reverse problem does sometimes happen today where we just get too much information. And the question is, which which of it do, do I pay attention to and which do I ignore? So, you know, there is a downside. Be careful what you wish for when it comes to complete information. When you're starting your business, if you're an entrepreneur, you have this passion for the work that you're doing. Typically, that's what's driving you to start this business. 
How do you balance that and your decision-making with real-life results as you try to grow and scale a profitable business? Hmm, that's a great question. You know, and I, I think for someone who's living and breathing a business, a new business, it's it's awfully hard to be objective, right? And And so probably your biggest challenge is is getting some objective feedback, which means going to people who are not directly involved in your company. Um, you know, that means that means customers, as I've already said, uh, but also sometimes, and these people are involved with your company, but going to your sales force or your other employees, if you have them, can be very, very helpful. Uh, the customers and salespeople, I, I often say, are the two most overlooked assets that any business has. Communication, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and uh, getting and finding people who won't, um, you know, uh, gloss over the, the the bad things. You want to hear the bad things, you know. Uh, in general, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, business people, of course, hate to hate it when customers complain, and some people go out of their way to avoid, you know, being exposed to that. Uh, customers' complaints are the best thing you can get, as long as they're not too deadly. Uh, but finding out what people don't like is is really gold when it comes to information, <clears throat> because the majority, the very large majority of people, well over 90 percent uh, who are dissatisfied with a product or service, don't complain. But guess what? They never come back to that business again. That's their way of complaining. So if uh, and there's research that demonstrates this, if you can encourage your customers to complain in a constructive way, uh, they're actually more likely to be loyal to you because you, again, you have bothered to solicit their input, even if it's negative. Absolutely. It's just like that customer service experience that everybody thinks is going away is almost the most important part of your business. <laughs> You know, it absolutely is. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's online or offline, you know, tracking that, that customer experience, uh, <clears throat> a lot of talk these days about customer journey mapping. Uh, that's very important to do. Um, and to get back to what I said before, you should be the one doing that customer experience. Don't send someone else to do it. You should live the experience the way your customers live it in very minute form so that every single contact they have with you, that is potentially uh, throwing some friction into the system, right? Uh, so you want to identify those pain points as early on as you can and, and fix them and then continue, uh, never give up that process, never rest on your laurels and think because you've solved a problem today, you won't have another one tomorrow because I guarantee you will. <laughs> There's always going to, that's, that's the gig, right? You're gig. A, you have to be a fast, unique problem solver um, on the go. Right. And, and you know, a lot of small business people think, well, that's so, you know, that's what makes it so hard to compete in this world against the big guys. But ironically, that's one of the biggest advantages I think small businesses have is they're much more nimble. You know, when Walmart makes a mistake, it's like turning a battleship. But if you're on a little sailboat, you kind of tack back and forth pretty easily. Uh, and you're also, you've got your ear closer to the ground uh, with your customers. You may literally know them face to face in some cases. Uh, the big companies can't necessarily say that. So that's a huge advantage that shouldn't be overlooked. 
I'm trying to understand that relationship now because there are a lot of smaller businesses I know that are succeeding a lot because of their customer relationships, but it's, but there's a lot of AI tools out there that are doing the work better and are tracking the work better without the human error. I'm trying to understand the balance. I don't have an opinion yet on this. I'm trying to understand the balance between the two and how they can both succeed in a, in a market. Um, do you have any thoughts on any of that? I don't even know if that was a question. That yeah. was just me throwing some stuff out there. Well, I'll try to pull a question out of it. Uh, cool. You know, um, I, I I think I think you're asking about automation, marketing automation, and whether the human touch is still necessary. Uh, when do you want to take over for me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great question. Uh, so I think you know I, I I believe that that the human touch will always be important, uh, not literally a touch perhaps, but a conversation. Um, having said that, it's getting harder and harder to do that. I, I, I think that the mistake people make is when they think it's a dichotomy. In other words, it's either going to be one or the other. You know, it's kind of like in the old days, people said, should I be online or offline? Right. And today we know, well, yeah, you should be both. Right. Um, so I, I think they're, you know, analytics are are great. A lot of, a lot of these data collection systems are are amazing we're just you know really scratching the surface of what we can do with that but having said it uh having said that and having worked with data all my life um there's a lot of ways you can lie with data data are not nearly as objective as you think and i've seen many many times how clients can interpret a finding based on their own need to interpret it that way right uh, and, and so I, I, and there are some things that, that, that kind of data collection just can't get into. In other words, uh, I like to make the distinction, uh, and I tell this to my students be, between the what and the why, right? So these, these systems are often pretty good at digging up the what, but not as good as digging out the why and the why someone did something is a lot more important because, uh, what you want to avoid is go, moving on to the next situation and not learning anything from the past and starting over from scratch. Uh, you know, we definitely don't want to do that. And and so if we have a more thoughtful, uh, almost a theoretical approach to consumers, uh, which is the kind of, you know, content that, that I work with, uh, it's it's more for the it's more for the long haul. You know, it's more about really understanding what goes on in someone's mind uh, the factors that that lead them to buy, the factors that lead them to avoid buying, and understand that you know everyone is an individual, and we have our own motivations, et cetera. But one thing you can count on is that very often, the reasons we've made a purchase are not the reasons that people give for making that purchase. So we do, and analytics can't really you know uh, unearth that kind of thing that's where we need that that human perspective at least on on research customer research well michael i hate to do a hard pivot here but we're getting towards the end of the show and i have one question i want to ask you before we wrap up i love asking this of any author who comes on the show uh, what was the process like for you writing a book I know there are <laughs> working with the publisher putting the storyboard together yeah. if you did that uh, running through the editor. Um, how did that go for you? Yeah. Well, I've been writing books for, for about 30 years. Uh, many of them are textbooks. Um, I have the leading textbook on consumer behavior and, and some other books as well that are 
pretty widely used. That's kind of a different animal. Um, writing a textbook is a is a real challenge of its own. Uh, basically, taking a, a, a compl complicated concept and putting into a paragraph that twenty year olds are willing to read. Uh, yeah, that's that's not too easy. I think executives aren't too different from that. Um, so there's a process there, but I, I've also published a few trade books as well, and and that's a very different process. I actually found it quite liberating because when I write in the academic world, my work is reviewed by uh, by colleagues, and I usually have to answer to their criticisms. When I write a trade book, I might get feedback, but I don't necessarily have to use it. <laughs> uh, sometimes I I do, but it's 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 a very different kind of kind of process um and and obviously it's a lot more focused on marketing and getting getting your book title in front of people which can be a challenge so i i think the biggest challenge today the biggest change that i've seen in the public in, publishing industry in general is that they're quite frankly no longer willing or able to market your book for you you've got to market that book yourself and they they may help but don't assume that they will because that duty, for better or worse, has largely moved onto the author uh, to come in with an established following already that will buy the book. And that's a very tall order. So life is, it, it's much more difficult in some ways to be an author today. In some ways, it's much more, it's much easier because the tools we have available, you know, e even just the editing tools and all that are, uh, well, I won't even tell you about the the old days when I grew up in a log cabin and wrote books on a piece uh, longhand. <laughs> I would have that, never made it through college yeah, if that's yeah, what I was going uh, with. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have uh, my first uh, my first word processor experience was when I was uh, already a young professor. Hmm. Before that, it was all handwritten, believe it or not. I wouldn't mind that, to be honest. It'd be nice to go back to that every once in a while. Uh, well, every once in a while, but uh, your hand gets kind of sore with all that writing. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, there. Sometimes I, I wish for the I for the old days, and you know, and, and and it's funny on occasion when I'm giving a lecture, whether to my students or to executives, uh, I'll you know there'll be some technical issue, the power will go out, and I've got to do about an hour without any powerpoints or anything like that, which is a real, which is very interesting, and do it from memory, and people have told me that those have been my best lectures they've ever seen. It's kind of like a podcast episode in a way, because you're just, you know, you're conversing and you're talking yes. to the students. You're not talking to the PowerPoint, I feel That's like. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, a little bit less structured. You might not cover everything you want to, but I feel like as a student, I would be more engaged with the lecture. Right. Yeah. As long yeah. as you get the notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. As long as you have something to write it down on. Yes. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking your time today. It was great getting to know you and talk with you. Um, I just want to give you a few minutes here at the end. Tell me a little bit about uh, where people can find you online, uh, where they can look for any of your trade books or educational sure. material. Yeah, sure. So again, uh, 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 you could just go to my website, michaelsolomon.com. And there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of free resources there. If people are interested, you can, uh, on the, uh, if you scroll down to the very bottom, in fact, of the first uh, page of the, of the website, uh, you'll see an, uh, what, what's called a brand resonance audit that you can download for free. And that's just basically showing you some vivid examples of successful brands that have found different ways 
to connect with their customers. In each case, they're connecting, but they're using very different ways to do it. So there's great resources on there, I think. Uh, uh, there's a link, uh, the, the book that I mentioned is called The New Chameleons, How to Connect with Consumers Who Defy Categorization. The new chameleons, and and you can find the chameleons book on Amazon or just about any other book website. Um, and I guess uh, finally, I'll mention that I recently launched a, an online course on building customer engagement. It's about six hours of content that builds on research uh, on in consumer psychology to really give you some ideas about some tangible ways that you can ramp up that connection between yourself and customers who are really being distracted by lots of other messages. Uh, you can find that information as well. And uh, feel free to drop me an email, just uh, michael at michaelsolomon.com and I'll get back to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you again, Michael. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, as usual, we're posting Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6.30. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening. 